A home is a lot of work. Plain work. When work at home is planned and organized for cooperation, there can usually be more time for leisure. I'm certainly in favor of those things. Leisure, fun. Who is it? Wouldn't we all be happier if we worked out a little system for living together in harmony? But how can we manage them? We'll have to work out the full answer together. Say, Mom, it's well. Family problems can be solved through frank and friendly discussion, which points the way to a happy family life. You know, this is beginning to be quite a family project. It certainly is. So, how's your imperfect family going these days? As much as we strive to do well, stuff just kind of seems to get in the way. Like trying to decide whether you will send your kids to school due to COVID-19 or educate them at home. That's, that's a hard one to decide. And the decision's probably based more upon your own sanity than it is upon anything else as a parent. Maybe you feel a little bit like this. Parenting, marriage, relationships, uh, they, they can all be very tough. Yeah, we all have those good days where life is going well and we think, this is great, this is easy. But then there are more of those other days where we grow so confused or bewildered or frustrated that all we want to do is shout, shut up. We all want our family to grow and to improve. Whether you're single and want to improve the relationships around you, or you're newly married, or you have young children, or you have teens, or maybe you're empty nesters. I mean, we all want our families to do better. And so that's why we're in this teaching series, Our Imperfect Families, because we want our families to be different. So we're undertaking a study of some of the Beatitudes in the Gospel of Matthew to help us accomplish this goal. And this is the teaching of Jesus. And the key promise from Jesus is this, blessed are you when. We want to live under the blessings of God. So what will that look like? When we truly understand the teachings of Jesus, what it looks like is radically different than most live around us. And so in this series, we're saying that we're not just a Christian family. We are a Christ-centered home. And you may say, well, Doug, I don't understand. What's, what's the difference in that? Well, in our culture today, it doesn't mean a lot to say, well, you know, we're a Christian family. I mean, 80 some odd percent of the people in our country might say that. But if you look onto that family, you would not say that 80 some odd percent of them are Christ-centered in the way they live. 
And there's a big difference. We can say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian person. I kind of believe in God. But there's a big difference between that and saying Jesus is first in every way. He's not just a part of my life. He is my life. And if we want the blessings of God, then we need to learn to live according to his will found in his word. And so that's why we're studying together the Beatitudes, which is a part of the teaching of Jesus found in the Sermon on the Mount. And today's Beatitude is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The greatest blessing, the greatest happiness comes not when we pursue our heart's desires, but when we pursue Jesus and what he wants. So today, let's discover how as a family or a marriage or parents or siblings, as a family, we can truly pursue Jesus. So turn to Matthew 5. And let's listen as all of the Beatitudes are read for us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you falsely, say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, remember that we learned in week one that that word blessed means to be happy, but not the fleeting happiness most of our culture looks for, because godly, true happiness, it's not based upon circumstances or things happening to us, but true biblical happiness is a lasting inward joy that can only come from God Almighty. So this sixth beatitude is another step towards real blessedness, real deep inward happiness. Blessed are the pure in heart. So that word pure means to be in a state of cleanliness or free from guilt or sin. Now this crowd who was gathered to hear Jesus, they were all Jewish. They had grown up going to the temple to worship, to sacrifice. They knew that before they could go to worship though, they had to get purified. And so when they hear Jesus use this word pure, their minds would immediately think of the purity laws or the cleanliness laws that they had to follow. They've been following them their whole life. Some cleanliness regulations are they're preparatory. In other words, before you could worship, you had to purify yourself. If you touched a dead body or you had a running sore or you even had mold in your house, all that had to be ritually cleansed before you could worship before God. But some of the cleanliness regulations were about sin, about the wrong you had done. They restore this forfeited purity by cleansing. You had to make a special sacrifice before God so as to have your sins atoned for. And so by the time Jesus had come along, 
The Pharisees had turned these laws into hundreds of ritualistic purifications, which it was impossible for anyone to follow except for the most elite. So for a Jew, this outward purification was so ingrained into their minds that when Jesus declares, blessed are the pure in heart, I think they scratched their heads. I mean, this was a very difficult concept for a Jew to grasp, to see purity as inward, as opposed to the outward rituals that had been demanded of them. I mean, in their day, people were experts at looking good on the outside, but they were really messed up on the inside. So Jesus comes along and says, blessings come, not to those who strive to look good on the outside only, but rather, blessed are the pure in heart. And he turns the, the focus inward, which is where God has always focused our attention. God said to the prophet Samuel when he was directed to select the next king we know as David, 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But notice this, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at your heart. He looks at my heart. That's why the psalmist prayed, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God has always been interested in our hearts, our motivations, our, our intentions. When Jesus tells us, blessed are the pure in heart, he's speaking about a single-minded devotion towards God, this undivided loyalty in what pleases God. So how does this pure in heart state come about? One of the things the Old Testament taught us is this, that we could never be good enough to earn a state of this purity of heart on our own. Only by the power and work of God will we ever have purity in heart, which is an outflow, really, of all of the previous beatitudes. So we must realize we're poor in spirit. We have nothing to offer God that could ever earn our way to heaven. And then we mourn over our sinfulness in this destitute state we're in because it totally separates from God. When we then approach God in meekness, in other words, we need His power, we need His work. And then we hunger and thirst for His righteousness because on our own we are unrighteous. Then we ask for His mercy and in turn give that mercy and we discover that purity of heart can only come from Almighty God. See, we learned that unless God changes us on the inside, we'll never be enough on the outside. I love how Eugene Peterson puts this in the message. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Because a Jew also knew something about the heart, we often use the phrase, she has a good heart or he has a good heart. A Jew knew nobody has a good heart. Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart 
and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. The only God can change a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Only God can make a person pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. But there's another part of this promise that would strike a Jew as difficult, and that's the phrase, they will see God. In Exodus 33, Moses is up on the mountain with the Ten Commandments, and he wanted to see the face of God, but he was told this by the Lord. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. So every Jew knew that to see God was both impossible and yet What an amazing thought that that might be. But was Jesus promising a glimpse of the Almighty? Like how we might feel if we got to get a glimpse of our hero, you know, our brush with fame? Is he promising some kind of special pair of glasses that would see things that other people can't see? To see God is about understanding. It's about perception. It's about revelation. And according to scripture, before we come to Jesus, we have a very limited or obscured understanding of God. Listen to Ephesians 4. They, speaking of unbelievers, are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. What an apt description of our world, our culture, our society. This is one reason why there is such confusion around significant issues in the world. People who don't have Jesus as their Savior according to Paul, are darkened in their understanding. It's kind of like they're walking through a room that's completely dark or just barely any light by which to see to walk through. I mean, you may experience this when you have a conversation about significant issues with a friend who isn't a Christian and you wonder, why why are they so confused? Why are they so blinded? It's because the mind of an unbeliever cannot truly see God but they don't know it. But when we have the Spirit of Christ with an undivided loyalty to God alone, He opens our eyes to fully understand who He is, the world around us, and how we can best live our lives for Him. You see, we gain a perspective. We see a reality of the world that others just simply cannot see, and it impacts our choices, our responses. It impacts everything. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. There's also a future element to this promise of seeing God. They will see God. Even with our spirit-guided understanding, there's still much that as Christians we don't know about God in this world. So we understand that there is a future promise attached to this they will see God. And Paul hinted at it. Near the end of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, he says this, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Only God can create a pure heart. Only God can help you and me to have a pure heart. He accomplishes that at salvation. We are completely clean. We are completely purified. We are completely forgiven. But he also accomplishes it through our relationship with him. The more we pursue him, the more we have a desire to have this pure heart without all of those external rules. He also brings it to bear through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He helps us. He makes us pure, but he helps us to become pure. So what are we learning together? Don't follow your heart. Pursue Jesus in a deep relationship with him through his word, through worship, through fellowship with other believers, so that you will see God. When we truly understand what Jesus has done for us by his sacrifice, when we begin to see the impact of his sacrifice, what do we do? We worship him. All will see how great is our God. Our prayer is that our families will be a place where the purity of God will open our eyes to his majesty. But how does this happen? I want us to take this teaching and apply it, move it onto our imperfect families. And I'm certain that you've already begun to think about how this teaching of Jesus might apply to you, your life, your home, your relationships. But I want to share with you a couple of thoughts, some applications, how we as families, how we can be pure in heart, how we can discover the blessing and understanding that can only come from really seeing God. So how can our homes be pure in heart? Now, we all understand what it means to protect our kids physically, right? But what about protecting our kids from the spiritual attacks, protecting our families from the enemy? I mean, we get lulled into forgetting that our enemy, Satan, comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. And today, one method that he employs is through the impurity of our world that seeps into our homes. I mean, if you had a sewer line seeping into your home, would you just ignore it and say, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just a little bit of sewage and you just let it go? Of course not. Then why do you and I allow the pollution of our world to just steadily seep into our lives? I don't think there's any one place where this happens. And I really think it depends upon your life and the season of your life. But we really need to pay attention to the impurity of our world and how it's seeping into our homes and our families and our marriages. Now, parents, in our desire to have a pure home, you need to beware of the tendency to try to bring it about by legalistic rules and barriers. Purity of heart is motivated not by rules, but through a relationship with Jesus. The more your kids learn the heart and mind of Jesus, the more God works in their heart to help him, them want to honor him with their choices. So beware of legalism when it comes to this idea of purity. Rules, though important at times, they do nothing to change the heart. So how do we seek the Lord with all of our hearts in our homes? How do we allow God to change us on the inside, to change our families on the inside. 
So here are three thoughts. Number one, first get your heart right. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Husbands, it begins with you and not her. Wives, it begins with you and not him. Parents, it begins with you and not your kids. Kids, it begins with you and not your parents, grandparents. It begins with you and not your kids and how they raise their your grandkids or not with your grandkids. It begins with you. You may not have the ability to make the other two steps to follow, but you know what? You can put getting your heart right as a top priority for you. In all of our relationships, they are strengthened when we take personal responsibility and we choose to get our hearts right with God first. And the only way to get our hearts right is by a total surrender to Jesus Christ and an acceptance of his sacrifice through his son on the cross. So my question for you first is this, have you asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you put your faith and trust in him for your salvation? Have you repented of your sins? Have you confessed his name before others? Have you submitted to him in immersion? This is the first and most crucial step of having our hearts made right. Getting your hearts right then continues with this evaluation. So what's polluting your heart? What impurity is lingering in your life? What are you holding on to that is staining your soul? So first, get your heart right. Second, parent to the heart. I mean, we want children that behave, don't we? That act like good kids. We don't want kids that look like this. It's time for time now. But it's so easy to parent to the actions, especially when you're in the middle of the store, right? It's so easy to neglect the heart. And in wanting the right behavior, we, we can kind of forget about the heart. So parent, to parent to the heart means we focus on the why more than we focus on the what. Which is why our kids' relationship with Jesus is so crucial. Because he focuses on the heart. Because the heart really matters. Right actions come out of a right heart. And so we always point back to Jesus, back to his will, back to his character. We teach our children about what he's done for us and how much he loves them. That he gave us his word to teach us how to live meaningful lives in peace. So we say things like this, well, we don't lie. Because we have a God who only tells the truth. And we're grateful for that. Because we can always count on his word being true. And so we tell the truth no matter what. And trust that he will guide us. Or we say things like this. We take action when we see injustice. Because we have a God who loves justice. And we're grateful for that. And so we take action against injustice. Because that's based in the character and the nature of God. So we make sure that we take the behavior and we point it to the heart and the character of God. So parent to the heart. Thirdly, 
pursue perfect purity of heart. There's got to be a constant discussion of what moves us towards a purity of heart according to God's will and a discussion about what pollutes our hearts, our families, our lives. And the reason I chose the word pursue is because we can't achieve that on our own, but only with the help of the power of God, we're, we're going to pursue perfect purity. And why perfect purity? I mean, Doug, isn't that raising the standard just a little bit high? Because anything less than perfect purity isn't purity. I mean, we're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart in our homes. Paul says this, that there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. Don't settle for just a little bit of impurity. I mean, it's like eating some brownies that have just a little bit of excrement in them. Oh, that's so tasty. The real question for you and your family is this. What's your standard going to be? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When you find purity by the power of God, not just moral purity, but when God starts to change your heart and you stop desiring what you once desired and you start desiring what matters to Him, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? They will see God. Imagine if you see God answers prayers. And you see God use you in the lives of others. Imagine seeing God make a difference through you. And you see God use your spiritual gifts. And you see and sense the presence of God with you and your family. And you see his power at work in your life changing you. And you see his goodness following you all the days of your life. Imagine you see him working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Imagine seeing God work through you to make a difference in your family, in your sons and in your daughters, in your husband and in your wife. When you're pure in heart, you can see the power of God in a way that you'd never, ever imagine. Pursue perfect purity of heart. I tell you what, this takes a real commitment, doesn't it? I mean, we need to say, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This isn't a Christian home. This is a Christ-centered home. We make this commitment as a family. So what do you need to throw away? Or what do you need to stop allowing to pollute your life and your family? How can your family pursue perfect purity. God, help us to be the kind of families that pursue you. That we don't just, you know, follow rules, but are corrupt on the inside, Lord, but that we allow you to come inside of us and change us. And we pursue you with everything we have. And Father, I pray for husbands and wives that are wrestling with things in their life. Lord, bring encouragement into them. I pray for young people, Lord, who are in the midst of great temptation, are really wrestling with the, this commitment in their lives to you. Lord, encourage them and show them what real truth is all about. Lord, I just pray for the families of Wildwood Christian Church. Lord, would you encourage and protect 
Would you guide them to you, Lord, even in this midst of this challenging season of our lives? Draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to realize that blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see you. Lord, we love you. In your most precious name we pray. Amen.